I do not like roller coasters. For me, the anticipated terror preceding the drop, along with the stomach-churning loss of gravity, is not thrilling fun. It's just, well, terror. Nevertheless, the roller coaster in all its exotic manifestations is summer entertainment staple for many of us. Of course, another stomach-churning summer staple for fewer of us is remembering the U.S. atomic bomb attack on two Japanese cities early in August 1945, and of course the accompanying thought that nuclear annihilation is still possible. Quite thrilling, but not really fun. Let me suggest that the fun of the roller coaster is based on a belief that it is safe. Of course, have you heard about the recent derailing of a roller coaster train in Stockholm, June 2023? It, it happens. But as the drop approaches, if you don't think about it, you're going to be fine. For nearly 80 years, our country has spent billions of dollars on modernizing a world-ending nuclear arsenal. There have been accidents, but no mushroom clouds. For me, the thrill of surviving that roller coaster ride ain't fun. I'm Alan Winson, and this year I went to several anti nuclear war gatherings in Manhattan as a few peace activists called attention to the destruction of Hiroshima and its carbon based inhabitants on August 6, 1945, and that of Nagasaki two days later. I began my tour at the Intrepid Air and Space Museum in Midtown Manhattan on the Hudson River at the bow of the World War II aircraft carrier. I first spoke with John Breitbart of the New York War Resisters League, and John told me why so many people were visiting the museum that Sunday, August 6th. I'm here for a, to bring, well, some of them who are coming with children are coming to attend a birthday party for the Intrepid, for the aircraft carrier. And so uh, Rosemary here came up with this, this, this couple of verses on the sign Birthdays are for fun, not fighting. The intrepid is for fighting, not fun. Let's say no to partying on a war vessel. So we're pointing out that it's a tremendous act of disrespect for the intrepid to schedule a birthday party to a vessel of war rather than using the August 6th date to, as a day of reflection and a day of consideration for the people that lost their lives in such a terrible way. And the beginning of the arms race came out of that bomb. Not only did the United States military have a chance to study the effects of an atomic bomb on a real city, on real citizens, actually observing the death rate and how people died and, the, and how, what state the buildings were in after the bomb was done. But they also used this occasion to announce to the world that not only did the United States have the nuclear bomb, but it was prepared to use it. 
without any hesitation at all, or apparently little hesitation. Uh, most people don't know it, but the bombing took place at 8.15 in the morning, and I find that an interesting piece of information to understand that the people of Hiroshima were just waking up that day. Maybe kids were on a bus going to school. Maybe they were having breakfast. And from one second to the next, there was a, there was a fireball hotter than the sun, like, you know, hundreds of feet away from them. If they were that close, they were evaporated. If they were a little bit further away, they were uh, by the blast wave, they were crushed or, or thrown, thrown and broken. And then from the heat, everything started burning. So it was quite a, a terrible event. Uh, people that were a kilometer, a couple of kilometers away, got terrible burns. And, uh, and the next day, there was a black rain, which was intensely radioactive. People don't even know what the destruction, like even the movies recently about Oppenheimer and about the creation of the bomb, don't actually show the destruction that fought and the suffering. John then showed me some archival photographs of the physical devastation on the human body, and uh, I couldn't look. I feel strongly that people should actually see what the destruction is and you know there are pictures here of people walking around I'd rather not look in terrible condition and Americans by and large would rather not look I think it's important that Americans look at what they do what is done in their name thank you Welcome. thank you what is your name and uh... my name is Paul P-A-U-L Stein S-T-E-I-N and I guess you do this often because on your accordion here it says no nukes, no war. It was very hard to find an accordion that said that. <laughs> but um, as you can see, they're Velcro strips. I have a few hundred strips for all different kinds of occasions, whether it's, whether it's anti-sexism, anti-homophobia, for peace, for housing rights, for immigrant support. My accordion gives the message on the front as well as with the music that it, it provides. Do you think that message is getting across to this crowd here at the Intrepid? I, some people have stopped and looked and thought about it. I mean, just because you go to see the Intrepid, I don't think that it means that you're necessarily very gung-ho pro-war. I mean, it's a, it's a fun thing to take kids to, right? And it's, it's a very interesting mechanically and, you know, ship-wise. So I think, well, well many people here may be very pro-war. I think other people are probably quite open-minded, and I think that we can, you know, they will hear, hear our message. It's hard to know what people's motives are, right? Yeah, it's ab absolutely hard to know. And again, this is a, a huge tourist attraction in New York City. So uh, I wouldn't assume that everyone who comes is very much supportive of the war machine. What do you then Mr. The Stein of, uh, played for me an anti-war song from the U.S. Civil War, Tenting Tonight on the Old Campgrounds. Camp Let's hear it. I then spoke with Mike Ferner, a former Toledo, Ohio City Council member. Mr. Ferner served in the Navy during the Vietnam War 
and is an active member of Veterans for Peace. Yeah, because uh, having a birthday party for an aircraft carrier on Hiroshima Day is something that... What, what is that? Well, uh, ask the Navy. I don't know. They're, I was in the Navy. They never made any sense then either. So, uh, But to put a birthday celebration for an aircraft carrier as if it was born on the day that we bombed Hiroshima is something that should not be uh, let go without note. You were handing out flyers. Did anyone say anything to you? Not really. You know, when you're flyering, it's uh, half the people say no thanks and the other people may take one. But uh, it's, you know, it's hard to get anybody in a conversation. They're uh, so busy with their lives. But, you know, we get something in their hand, they can look at it later. So, uh, How effective do this, this kind of leafleting is in changing minds? Well, you know, it's one of those probably impossible to measure things because somebody picks up a flyer here, uh, you know, say some young person, they see the carrier, they think it's cool, and then they read something about that from veterans who have been through wars, and uh, it will probably get them thinking. Whether they do something about it or not, who knows, but uh, pretty sure that they're going to start thinking about it. I've been asking everyone who's been, who's been talking to me about this, did the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki end the war quicker and save American lives? Hell no. <laughs> no. I mean, on the information we're passing out, there are quotes from numerous admirals and generals who said, no, nah, it was not necessary. The official uh, review that the uh, Department of War did after the bombing came to the conclusion that it was not necessary. So, you know, it was yet another scam by uh, top government officials in order to get people to support something they would never have supported otherwise. Most of the people out here are going to the birthday party. Do they know that, that the bombing was not oh. necessary? Well, anybody who reads one of our flyers will know that. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Tarak. We, we, we spoke at the yeah, UN. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Tarak Kalf is the editor-in-chief of Peace and Planet News. He was a paratrooper in the U.S. Army from 1959 to 1962 and is a lifetime member and former board member of Veterans for Peace. He's a longtime activist for peace, justice, and the environment. Today is really the anniversary of Hiroshima, 78 years ago. And it was one of the most horrible things that has ever happened, if not the most horrible, because it ushered in the atomic age. And what's happening today on the Intrepid is having a birthday celebration for 80 years, 80 years ago on August 16th, not the 6th, the Intrepid was commissioned, okay? So we, you have kids here coming, it's like a party, and we feel, hey, this is this history to acknowledge. There's something that happened today that should be acknowledged. This is not a, this is not a time for celebration. There's a movie out now, Oppenheimer, it doesn't really make that argument, does it? No, it doesn't, and it, it unfortunately leaves out a lot. It leaves out a lot of the victims, including the people in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, including the Native American communities and tribes that were devastated and are still devastated by the um, open pit uranium mines. There's 10,000 open pit uranium mines across that area, and that's poisoning all of us. You're talking about New Mexico, Nevada. Yes, New Mexico, Nevada, North Dakota, South Dakota, all over there, 10,000. And they're mostly all of them on native land. 
Tarek, we're under the bow of the Intrepid right now, standing right here. Honestly, what, what is this kind of action going to do to change minds? My honest answer, I don't know. You know, but maybe some people, you know, reading about it, thinking about it, will wake up. And that's important. You know, we're just trying to get the truth out there. This is nothing but the truth that we're doing. This is not a political stunt. This is, I, I believe in truth. And if you can wake one person up, that's good. So one person at a time. And I think uh, some people may look at this and say, wow, I didn't even know this. Because a lot of people don't even know what August 6th is. They don't know that. And well, they know. it's the birthday of the Intrepid. <laughs> the birthday of the Intrepid is August 16th, actually. But they are celebrating today for kids like a party to celebrate the Intrepid. And the Intrepid is a machine of war, destruction, death. People died because of machines like this. People do die. Children, women, men, not only soldiers. It's not, wars are not only fought between soldiers, but most of the casualties today are civilians. Not to mention the animals, the animals which are also totally innocent. Human beings, you could say, okay, look, we brought this on ourselves, the human race, you know, created all. But the animals had nothing to do with it. And look how many animals are destroyed by this, by, the, by war. Quote from my friend Ken Mares, who was a major in the Marine Corps, and I'll read you the quote. It says, as the doomsday, doomsday clock stands at 90 seconds to midnight, instead of celebrating the machinery of war, Americans should be leading global efforts to end war, lest war end us. And that's from Major Ken Mayers, U.S. Marine Corps. As a, as a military person who's been in the military, was it required that we bomb Hiroshima to end the war? Absolutely not. Absolutely, 100% not. If you look at history, real history, the Japanese were ready to surrender. They had nothing left. The people were starving. They, they had no military left whatsoever. You know, they were ready to surrender. This was not done to save American lives. I am sorry. That is a lie. That is a lie, one of many lies. Like what Truman said, we are bombing a military, a military uh, complex. And here was you. That was a lie. No, there was no military complex there. There were civilians, there were women, there were young children that had their skin falling off from this thing. I mean, the horror is unbelievable. You know, the horror from a nuclear blast is just unthinkable. I um, bet if I, if I asked most of those people out here coming for the birthday party, did the uh, bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki help end the war, they're going to say... Yes, it did. Because that's the propaganda, and that's the lie. And you know what? Americans have a responsibility to think critically, to do the research, to read, to understand what is true and what is not true. And what is coming out from the Pentagon and from the mass media and from the government is lies. It's been lies. We've been lied into everything. We were lied into Vietnam. We were lied into Iraq. On and on and on. Don't you get it? They lie. All governments lie. We got to think deeper than that, and we got to we got to teach our children, especially, think critically, think critically, use your mind, think about things, read, do the research, and if you do, you'll see where the truth is. And the truth is, your question again, coming back to it, you, the truth is, 
that it was not at all necessary to bomb Hiroshima. And even after bombing Hiroshima, okay, you bombed Hiroshima, then three days later, you had to bomb Nagasaki also? I mean, why? You wanted to demonstrate American power. You wanted to establish that America had this power, so Russia knew it, so the whole world knew it. That's what they wanted to do. This is pretty horrible. Yeah, it is. It, it is, and it still is, and we're living under the sort of democracies right now, you know, and we're all walking around like everything is fine. It's not fine. We could wake up tomorrow and there could be no tomorrow. Maybe it's better we don't know. It's not better we don't know. It's always better to know the truth. It is, oh, no matter what it looks like, no matter how terrible it is, if you don't know it, then you're, you're consumed with ignorance. And that's not the way I want to die. I, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have to die. Maybe there will be a nuclear war. I hope not. But I want to at least know the truth. And I think that the truth is so important. I believe in truth. I believe in it as a spiritual reality. Know the truth and you'll be free right then and there. Bing. <laughs> Bing, you're free. Tarek, thank you so much. It was great talking with you again. Tonight on the old campground, give us a song to cheer. Our weary hearts, a song of home, and friends we hold so dear. Many are the, I don't know the words. That's good, that's good. Uh, we're going to have uh, people uh, die in at, at the recruitment center, everyone in hazmat suits. Before I left the nuclear war protesters and birthday party goers at the Intrepid, Jonathan of Revcoms, that is the Revolutionary Communist Party, told me about the die-in planned for later in the day in Times Square by the U.S. Army Recruitment Center. So I went and met Revcom's regional director, Carl Dix, who told me about the goals and means of the organization in ending corporate control of democracy. People coming out to welcome them to be a part of this. This question of nuclear war is so, so important. It's the most dangerous time since... Great. Carl Dix, pleasure to meet you, sir. Um, could you tell us where we are and why Revcom is here? We're in Times Square, right outside the Military Recruiting Center, and we are here because 78 years ago today, the United States military dropped a bomb, an atomic bomb, on Hiroshima in Japan massacring tens of thousands of people immediately and subjecting tens of thousands more people to the slow death of radiation poisoning. Three days later, they dropped an even more powerful bomb on Nagasaki, incinerating, massacring tens of thousands more, tens of thousands due to radiation sickness. This was an unspeakable war crime and crime against humanity, one that the U.S. has never apologized for and never suffered any consequences for. And today, the U.S. and its nuclear-armed imperialist rivals in Russia and China have dragged the world to the brink of nuclear war. And look, people really have to confront this question because civilization's destruction hangs in the balance. Are they going to allow these imperialists to continue 
to dominate the globe and determine the fate of humanity? Or are they going to get with the Revcoms, who are a force working for an actual revolution, one that gets rid of the system that birthed nuclear war and that has the world still caught up in the threat of nuclear war, one that will bring in a totally different and far better system. We are here today to bring that message to people and that challenge. The U.S. said, well, we had to drop that bomb because it saved thousands of American lives. First off, they were lying. Japan had already let them know, we're ready to surrender, let's work this out. And in fact, if you look up some of Harry Truman's biographies, it says in there, Truman got a telegram from the Jap emperor saying he wants to surrender. Forget about that because they were gonna go ahead and drop this bomb to deliver a message to the world. We're the top dog imperialists. Nobody better mess with us. We cannot allow that to continue to go on. So again, the question is, are you gonna allow these imperialists to continue to dominate the globe? Or are you gonna get with a force that is working to get rid of the system that is responsible for the threat of nuclear war, responsible for the potential destruction of the environment of the very planet we live on, as well as other horrors, like attacks on women and differently gendered people, attacks on black and brown people, criminalizing and demonizing immigrants. All of that, it's all part of this system and how it works, can be ended through revolution, and we are working on ending it. You call it for a revolution. What did that look like here in the United States? Well, what would that, that would look like is when the time comes when there has been the development and organizing of a revolutionary people numbering in the millions, people who are no longer willing to accept the horrors that this system brings down, they will be led in rising up to defeat the institutions of violent suppression of this system, its police forces, its military, its National Guard, and go on to build a totally different and far better system that will be based on not the dog-eat-dog -dog exploitation of capitalism imperialism, but the collaboration of a socialist society that would be moving and developing towards a fully classless communist society and world. We're now in the middle of Times Square, yes, people are. walking around a beautiful day on Sunday. Um, and at the same time, 78 years ago, one of the most horrific things ever happened. And we, the United States, had to do with it. And the people out here are just vacationing. How are you going to get your message across? Right now, the people who run this society are divided up, fighting viciously amongst each other, split all the way down, is actually opening up people to begin to recognize that the normal way this system works isn't going to work anymore and they're being presented with a choice between the fascists grouped around the Republican Party and Donald Trump and their plan and agenda, which is to intensify greatly the white supremacy, the male supremacy, the degradation and demonization of immigrants, the targeting of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people, all of that, destroying the environment. That's what they put forward. And the only answer the Democrats can come up with 
in Joe Biden is, well, we're going to keep the normal way going on. But the normal way brought us to this point. And we revolutionaries, we the Revcoms, are going to put onto the map a third alternative and a different alternative than the first two in that it's breaking free of this exploitative oppressive system by making revolution and bringing a totally different system into being. We're behind in that, but we're working to catch up. And actions like this today, which are being repeated in country, uh, cities across the country, this is a day of activity on the part of the Revcoms. And things are coming to a head, and people will need a different alternative than more of the same or more of the same and worse. Do, do, do you have a political agenda? Do you have in, are you involved in politics at all, in the U.S. politics at any level? We are not involved in electoral politics, if that's what you're asking. We definitely are involved in politics, and you can see that through the documents we need and we demand, which raises particular demands, one of which, which is very much to the point, is the society we aim to bring into being will say we ain't using nuclear weapons, unlike the U.S., Russia, China, all of which not only say they will use nuclear weapons, but they reserve to themselves the right to use them before anybody else. We, we will not say, oh, we'll use them if, to, to defend them. No, we will get rid of them, and we will work to ban them throughout the world. We just did a program uh, with Alice Slater on the TPNW, the um, Treaty to Prohibit Nuclear Weapons. Well, the problem with a treaty among imperialists to not use nuclear weapons, they won't sign it, and if they sign it, they'll be lying because they all have them work throughout their military. I mean, I was in the U.S. military, and this was a long time ago. This was back in the 1960s. And they even had nuclear weapons that could be backpacked into battle. That was 50 years ago. They have greatly developed it since then. And like I said, the U.S., Russia, and China all say we reserve the right to use nuclear weapons if we feel it's justified. They don't say we reserve the right to use them in defense. They say we reserve the right to use them, and that's basically them saying we'll use them first if we think that's the best move for us to win in a conflict. Whoop. That's the siren on the bullhorn. Wow, all right. Mr. Dix, thank you so much. Thank you. Maybe we could talk. Mr. Dix was then called to the bullhorn to talk to the small group of tourists who briefly interrupted their Times Square perambulations. Several Revcom members in white hazmat suits lay on their backs on the sidewalk as Mr. Dix spoke. Then, after some chanting, the Revcoms walked up 42nd Street to present their message in front of an AMC movie theater featuring Oppenheimer. Two days later, I attended a gathering of peace activists on the sidewalk in front of the Japanese consulate on Park Avenue and 49th Street. 
Over 70 people were honoring the memory of those who died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki 78 years prior. The light that shines is the light of love. Earlier that day, 55 anti-war, anti-nuclear bomb organizations presented an open letter to the people of Japan at the consulate. I spoke with Emily Rubino, the executive director of Peace Action New York State, a national organization that confronts militarism throughout the world. Could you briefly, Emily, tell us where are we and why are we here? Um, we're in a pretty bad place. I'd say that nuclear tensions are higher than you know they've ever been, certainly in my lifetime, and I think as high as, as they've been in many of the other folks that have been in this movement for much longer than me. Um, I think we get here by seeing other people as our enemies, by thinking that we need to compete and outdo each other instead of work together to solve the world's problems. Um, so yeah, I think that's how we got here, and I think that we need to take some huge steps to pause and reevaluate and uh, build a better, more sustainable world. You're very young, Emily, uh, and you're working to rid the world of nuclear bombs. How many young people your age realize the problem that you realize? So I think that the great thing about my work is through Peace Action New York State, we actually have a pretty strong campus organizing program. So we have at least 14 chapters going into this fall 2023 semester. So 14 different campuses across New York State with students, you know, could range from, let's say, 5 to 25 or more students per campus um, working on uh, the issue of nuclear abolition and other issues of war and peace. Um, so I think there are a lot of young people who care about and are interested in this. It's just a matter of finding them and um, working together to, to strengthen our, our younger part of the movement. You spoke about Oppenheimer, this new movie. How impactful is that on people's imaginations of how important this uh, danger we're in right now? I think that it's really impactful. Um, I actually just saw the movie uh, last week and I left feeling just extremely unsettled and disturbed and I think that's how a lot of people are leaving and I think that's how we should be leaving. I think the movie should give us pause um, about this man who created the bomb and later wanted to advocate for arms control but it was too late, you know. Uh, you let you open Pandora's box, there's kind of no going back. So I think that the movie is a way for a lot of people, I think, to sympathize and relate with the person who created this bomb. I just wish it framed it more in terms of the real-world impacts it had on all of the people who were affected by the mining and the testing and, of course, the actual bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So I think that it's a good uh, starting point for a lot of people to get them thinking about this issue that they might not have thought about uh, in a personal way for a long time. You are very hopeful. I can see that. You see changes happening. I don't. Um, you're very young. What does the future bode for the United States and the world in nuclear war? Um, I mean, I don't think I'm that hopeful all the time, but I think we have to be. I think that, uh, as Mariam Kaba, a really great uh, prison abolitionist, has said, uh, hope is a discipline. So I have no choice but to be hopeful because the other alternative is, I think, too grim for any of us to imagine. We won't be here for it, right? So I think that uh, there's really only one way our future goes, that we're all still here, and that has to be... Uh, global cooperation, more global governance, um, and working together to walk us back from the brink of both climate change and uh, nuclear war. Emily Rubino, thank you. It was great talking with you, meeting you from Peace Action, New York State Executive Director. Thank you.
Okay, that was a bit of a roller coaster ride on how a few Americans were remembering the horror of August 6th and 8th, 1945, when the U.S. Air Force dropped atomic bombs on two Japanese cities. This is Bar Crawl Radio Podcast. Tell us what you think about our programming at barcrawlradio at gmail.com. And you can address me, Alan Winson. And thanks to Bud Courtney and Anthony Donovan, both Catholic workers, for their rendition of Little Light of Mine. And to Lou Tobacken for sharing his performance of his own composition, Garden at Lifetime. Ah!